0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi,
2: and welcome to This is Irox. My name's Tommy McIntyre, and I am joined by Price of Football Soccer Football Guru, in the finance area, Kieran Maguire also happens to be a University of Liverpool lecturer as well. Kieran, nice to see you again, buddy. How are you? I'm, I'm grand,
1: thanks, Tommy. Yeah, all, all, all was really good in my life as a Brighton fan until about two weeks ago when the, when, when the wheels fell off. And uh, for, for some reason, our manager thought that a £60 million cheque was the reason to leave. But I, I wouldn't have done it myself, of course.
2: No, well, of course we we'll take your words on that. I thought you were going to pull me up for my uh, soccer intro there. To be honest with you, I was seen if I could get that get that past you. Well, do you know what? Before we jump in, cracking move for Graham Potter. It looks as though his stock just continues to rise.
1: Yes, he's uh, he, he he's transformed the club. I, I've I've been watching us play for for more than fifty years. I've never seen us. Play such composed, confident, at, at risky football, and the way that we've dismantled some clubs who have two or three times the the wage bills of ours uh, has, has been a delight. But he's 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 done the right thing uh, at that point in his career because small club managers. Don't go to big clubs. Yeah, that's that's the nature of football. So I understand what he's done from a professional point of view, the challenges uh, that he wants to take. He wants to play in the Champions League. He wants to he wants to find out whether he can deal with big players with big egos, because that's not an issue that he had to deal with at Brighton.
2: Yeah, which will be the the making a break of him, I imagine, in terms of that dealing with the Eagles uh, in there. If he, if he does a good job, he might be able to get consideration for the Rangers one at some point, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll walk past that before you get you, you have a go at me there. So, listen, again, thank you very much for your time. i conscious of lots of noise around about Rangers at the moment, lots of noise around about money, investment, UCL, cash. Isn't there always, it has to be said. Um, and there's also... The continual obsession round about rangers balance sheets from, from other uh, other clubs as well and I, I just i was conscious that you've been in news recently um you know making some comments around about that doing some articles etc and i wanted to just get involved in terms of asking you so from your perspective we'll just start very high level outside what's your understanding of the way that rangers have handled themselves financially fiscally over let's say the last year or two and then bringing
1: in that ucl point in, in my opinion what the club has tried to do and this is something I, i'm i'm from a historic insolvency background so i'm used to to corporate distress it, when, when i look at a balance sheet i say well does it look strong can it be made stronger and, and that's the first thing that uh, I, I would say that rangers have done uh, they've uh they've strengthened the balance sheet by converting loans into equity um, they have invested uh, some of the money which they have received they, they've they've had to deal with the challenges of covid and in in my view rangers has probably been hit harder than certainly any other club in the uk uh, possibly more than most clubs in europe because a couple of years ago, in in the last pre-COVID year, uh, Rangers generated sixty percent of their revenue from matchday ticket sales. Now, if if you take a look at a club like Chelsea, it's probably around about sixteen or seventeen percent. Yeah, Rangers have got yeah three three times that, um, and therefore they they've they've come out of a really tough period, with the club intact, with winning the Scottish Premiership, with getting to the final of the Europa League final, and with qualifying for the Champions League group stages. Um, yes, the last 12 months has been far better because fans have been able to attend. But you you cannot ignore the 15 months that, that the club was having to deal with uh, its, its biggest revenue source not being available to it. So um, the balance sheet to me looks as strong as you could expect it to be, that the financial results will be out, I would imagine in the next month or so, if, if we look at the, you know, when Rangers have historically published them, we'll be able to uh, gather some sort of greater insight at that date. Um, and that the club also has come out of a what I would refer to as a recovery phase as far as its finances are, are concerned. Um, it's not had European football for, for a period of around about five or six years. It had to, it had to deal with that as, as a loss of revenue. It wasn't getting premiership income for a period of time, um, and that all has legacy consequences um, which, which you have to deal with you've got to provide funding you it's difficult to, ex, to get external funding under those circumstances so therefore you're relying on money coming internally from shareholders investors directors and so on which is the route that the club has taken so um i can understand you know, fan, fans ultimately they're just interested in what's happening on the pitch as in in the main um and if you're not delivering, then then attention strays elsewhere. But some of the figures I've seen quoted in the media, I think are a a wee bit inflated. Uh, Some of those figures are ignoring the fact that the, the extra money that Rangers have generated is actually over two seasons and not one. And um, some of the figures that are being quoted are just focusing on the extra money coming in, not taking into consideration that there will also be extra money going out at the same time.
2: I think there's a, a couple of interesting points there that I'd love to come back to, but I, I just wanted to touch, first of all, I think a lot of fans maybe struggle with with the, the aspect of here's some soft loans converted to equity back out the, the door. I'm wondering if you could, for, for the layperson, and I'm going to certainly put myself in that camp as well uh, this evening, just break that open in terms of what does that naturally actually mean in terms of conversion, soft loans, et cetera?
1: Well, um, if, if, a, if a business needs money, um, it's, it's got three, three ways of going, three, three roads it can go down. It can borrow money from banks. Banks will demand some form of mortgage they will also charge interest at at commercial rates based on their perception uh, in terms of financial risk. Secondly, you can borrow from people connected to the business. So that that was initially the route that that rangers have gone down, investor loans and so on. Now, when we make reference to soft loans, the nature of a loan is that, as well as paying interest, at some point in time, you've got to repay the capital. So you know, to give an analogy, um, if I take out a mortgage, I can have an interest-only mortgage, but I've still got to go and you know, so take out 100 grand for a mortgage. I can have an interest-only mortgage. I pay interest for 25 years. And in 25 years, I've got to find 100 grand to repay the bank. Or um, you can um, have what's referred to as you know, a soft loan is where the, the lender isn't in a hurry to have their money back. Okay. And they're saying, I, m- I might not ask for that money back. So I think that's, that's where we have been to a slight position as far as ranges are concerned. And the, the third way of raising money is to physically issue shares to investors. Now, now shares come with, with uh, you know, a couple of uh, pieces of baggage. Um, first of all, they come with voting power, which means that if you have sufficient number of shares, more than 50%, that allows you to control the business because you can appoint effectively the board of directors to carry out your wishes. Um, If you are a traditional investor in a traditional company, you might also try to get some of your money back through uh through dividends that's not the case with ranges that's not the case with the vast majority of football clubs with the exception of manchester united as far as uh, as far as uk football is concerned um and um the other thing that you can do with shares is that you can sell them to other people and sometimes the people you're selling them to might not be in the best interests of the business so so there's a lot of there's a lot of complications what we've seen as far as rangers are concerned is that initially directors stroke investors put money into the club the club needed cash during the covid period and um, as far as that cash was concerned it was being used for what we refer to as working capital purposes which means we needed to pay the wages. We need to pay outstanding installments on transfers. We needed to pay for, you know, for heating and lighting and the, and the general overheads of running the club, which, uh, yeah the, the fo- football's, a, football's a dumb sport at the best of times or a dumb industry because you're having to pay for electricity and insurance and uh, HR costs 365 days a year, and you're actually only open on 25. So... Uh, you know, all of those costs were, were not being covered uh during covid due to the the reduction in 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 income coming from the the three traditional sources which are broadcast uh, match day which was most impacted and then commercial uh, commercial sponsors or Aren't, aren't going to come and sign deals that so they might, they might renew deals, but they're not necessarily going to sign deals during COVID because their main focus is on survival of their business rather than sponsoring somebody else's. Um, so that's what we have saw with Rangers, the, you know, a, a variety of directors and, you know, I, I don't know the individual director's names and investors names. Yeah. You know, I just sort of, I just see sort of large, you know, the, the large sums coming in. Um, and then what quite a few of those investors stroke directors did they said yes, in theory, the club owes us money, but we don't want that to be repaid and instead we're going to convert that type of funding in the form of debt to. Uh, equity funding and and one of the good things about share funding is that shares never have to be repaid so the only way I can get money if I own shares is is by selling them on to somebody else you you cannot demand your money back from the institution so that that builds up strength as far as your balance sheet is concerned and that's the route which appears to have been taken here
2: So if I take that to logical conclusion then uh, and thank you very much for, for breaking that open for us you come through a difficult period, your investors have stepped in, they've funded the business, that's not sustainable. You have to get self-sustainable, self-funding at some point in time. I think Rangers directors have spoken about that. We've had you know, John Bennett, the, the vice chairman, speaking about that recently as well. And we'll touch on him again, some of his comments today, um, in terms of a, a, an interview on Rangers Television, which was subsequently uh, put out for free. So once you've got through that, you need to find revenues. And of have qualified for the UEFA Champions League this season after the run to the European final uh last year. There's a lot of attention round about the UCL numbers. There always is. Um and I, I think there's a lot of mythology round about them as well. And people say, tend to think that there's a big, a big check just arrives through the door, you know, there's lots of money, you've got the boards, you know, counting coins and and back rooms, etc. And I'm wondering if you can help people understand. Not only some of the figures around about that, but maybe the timeline of payment, because yeah. I, I sense that it's not just a one and done, there is a, a bit of a stagger from, from, from UEFA.
1: You're absolutely right, Tommy. The, the way that UEFA work, as far as the qualifications for its competition are concerned, is... If you get into the Europa League, you get, I think it's around about €3 million euro as a qualifying fee. Now, the, the €3 million, euro, that, that, that's, that's a good night out. You know, I'm not yeah, denying that. that at all. But um, if you get to the qualifying stages of the Europa, of the Champions League, you get €15.6 million, euro but you don't get it on the day that you qualify for the competition. You know, that money will be paid out over the course of the year. So Rangers are going to get that money. It is guaranteed and um, that, you know, that that clearly will be of benefit as far as the club is concerned. Um, And then what we have seen over the course of recent years is that the, I don't know how we want to refer to them. You know, it could be... I sometimes refer to them as the old money clubs, the established European elite. Some people refer to them as the cartel. But what clubs such as Real Madrid, PSG, Manchester United, Chelsea and so on have done is they've gone to UEFA on a regular basis and say... We don't just want 15.6 million euro for qualifying the competition. We want more money on top of that. So, so what UEFA have done, uh, and, and they've done this under the threat that unless they gave these clubs something of what they wanted, um, they feared that there could be a, some form of Super League created. And, we, and we, we all know the history of that, is they've created this thing called the, the UEFA 10 year coefficient. And what this does, is it looks at how you have performed in UEFA competitions over the course of the last 10 years, and you get points. You get points for each victory. The victory in the Champions League is you get more points than a, a victory in, in the Europa League. Um, if you, make, you, know, pro, you proceed to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals, and so on. And all of the 32 clubs who are in the Champions League, their points are then compared and they are ranked, and they are ranked from one to 32. The club, which is ranked first, gets um, 32 times a figure, and, that, and the figure we, we involved here is just over uh, 1.1 million euro, and the, fi- and the club, which is bottom of that table, gets 1.1 million euro, and you get an extra 1.1 million euro for every, every uh, step you go up the ladder. And the purpose of that money is that if Real Madrid gets has an absolutely dreadful season and doesn't qualify for the group stages, they still get a load of money from this 10-year coefficient. The issue, as far as Rangers are concerned, is, is twofold. First of all, it's the first time they have qualified for the Champions League uh, in 10 years. And remember, at the start of that 10-year period, they weren't qualifying for any European competition. So as a result of that, they were ranked 31st out of the 32 clubs. So they got two amounts of 1.1 million euro. So so that was uh, additional money. And then what we will find as the group stages proceed, is that you get 930,000 euro, for every point you earn in the group stage so if you get a draw nine hundred and thirty thousand. If you get a win you get three times that amount so even if rangers have a poor start to the competition they've still got four matches left they've still got um 11.2 million euro to chase in terms of four potential victories as far as the remainder of the competition is concerned so every club at every stage has something to play for. Um, So so that's additional money. Then there is money linked to the uh, amount of cash which is paid in by your national broadcaster. So BT pay a lot of money to to UEFA for the rights and a proportion of that then comes back to uh, UK clubs now how that is split we, we never we, we never really get a straight answer uh, not from the clubs themselves not from uefa eventually uefa will normally publish some details but um, you know it, it's it, it can be quite a decent amount of money so rangers should get probably two million euro um, as, as a bare minimum for qualifying for the competition so let's let's say that Rangers pick up four points. Okay. I don't think that's being harsh. I don't think that's being generous. I think that, that will be a fair assessment. If Rangers got four points from the next four games, what would that mean? It would mean that they, they would get um, yeah, around about 3.7 million euro on top of what they've got. So we're probably talking 23, 24 million euro, looking at the uh looking at the exchange rate you've got yeah, 21 million quid so so that's what they'll get and some of that money will be given to the clubs at the end of the group stages and some of that money will be handed out um at the end of the season so it's not money which has been received now so so that's that's where the club are and then of course then you've got gate receipts and i appreciate you know, from an outsider's point of view, I've, I've seen the prices. I know that some fans are, uh, you know, think that those prices are, are high. The club will say, well, yeah, we, we could have sold it three times over. So that would indicate that they're not, from a market point of view, unnecessarily high. And just look at the standard of opposition. You know, Liverpool, Napoli and Ajax, um, you know, people would would be expecting to pay a premium price to see teams of that calibre come to Ibrox compared to three teams you might have been playing in in the Europa League, which might not have been of of such uh, you know prestigious opposition.
2: No, again, I think yeah, I walk past the fact that you've given us four points in the in the Champions League. There, I think having having watched the last two games, I take that uh, in, a, in a heartbeat. Right, um, some of the listeners might disagree with me, but. I think it's a really interesting breakdown, and that's why I wanted to get that understanding of the timeline, because I think there is a, a, like I said, a mythology that you just get a big, a big sum of money, and the club don't do a particularly great job. Uh, I think with the vice chairman, you know, John Bennett speaking today, as I said, about some of the communication round about that, and obviously some things are commercially sensitive, some aren't, and there needs to be some uplift there. But there is a continual swirl round about the club that money has been banked with the Europa League run and then get into the Champions League. And I, I think from what you've just said there, it seems fairly certain that that's absolutely not the case. What happens is there's a, just a model where there's money going out the door continually, whether that be on improvements, whether that be on the, the existing squad, bringing in new players, whatever that looks like. And so from a continual balance sheet perspective, I'm interested if you have a view on this, Rangers don't tend to keep a lot of cash. Is my read of the of last set of figures and, and some information I have at the moment. I, I think that's a fairly reasonable position, but I'd be interested in your take on that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. So certainly as we look at their, their most recent accounts in 2021, they only had 3.3 million of cash. Um, they, they have reduced borrowings. You know, borrowings in 2018, 22 and a half million, by 2021, and that's after 15 months of COVID, were half that amount. Now that was due to, uh, you know, due to some people saying we don't want the money back. Um, subsequent to that, I, I think they've also had to go and pay. Uh, is, is it New Oasis, Dave, Dave King's organization? Yep. That, co- that company has been paid probably in the region of around about five million. Now, that's, that is physical cash. Which has had to go out of, of the balance sheet. In addition to that, um, what fans don't always realize, and, and you know, we, we've spoken about Rangers being a, a recovery club, they, they've therefore, when you're in that recovery phase, what you tend to be doing as, as far as the player trading market is concerned, you tend to be buying more players than you're selling. And, and that has been the case uh, when, it, when it comes to Rangers. And what we've seen um, during that period is um, Rangers not only been buying players, they've been buying players on credit. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That is how modern football works. But it does therefore mean that because Rangers, you know, they, they have spent uh, pretty decent amounts. Uh, you know, for the last five seasons, they've they've spent well over fifty million uh, pounds on players. But it doesn't mean that fifty million pounds has gone out. It means that your you know, some of some of that's gone out in the form of cash, and the rest has built up. So, in the summer of 2022, Rangers have had to go and pay money which they owed to clubs for players signed in 2020 and 21 and so on. Um, again, that that's cash which which is draining out of the club. And yeah we have seen uh, Rangers sell players over the course of the summer but that's not the same as as them generating cash so you know if, if we take a look at Calvin Bassey uh, my understanding and I I've, unfortunately I, I, I teach football people I teach football agents you know the, the my understanding was that, the fee was around about 19 million guaranteed. There might be some top-ups on there, but I think you recruited him from Leicester. Is that, is that right? Yeah, cross-border fee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, do you, how do you persuade somebody from Leicester to come you know, out of the Premier League and, and come to Rangers that the deal was, in effect, come to us, we can put you in a shop window. So we can put you in a shop window, first of all, domestically, secondly, by qualifying for Europe and and get other other teams to see you play. Um, We we can't afford to pay you the same type of wages as you would expect to receive in the Premier League. And and Rangers wages bill is is far lower than clubs such as Sheffield United and Bournemouth and, and Burnley in the Premier League because the Premier League simply is, is a bigger product. Um, so what Rangers will have done is they'll have said, we will give you a decent wage. Yeah, he, um, he's, he, he ain't selling, selling the big issue. We, we know that to be the case. We will give you a decent wage, but we will put you in the shop window. And when you leave, we will give you... a a bigger proportion of the transfer fee than tends to be the case elsewhere. So the player is incentivized to play well. You're still picking up your win bonuses. You're still picking up your trophies. You're still making progress in Europe and going to all these great places. And should you then be sold, you will get a very decent slice of the fee. So that 19 million pounds, first of all... um, because he was, he was sold to another European country, um, uh, 5% of the fee goes in solidarity payments, uh, as far as UEFA are concerned. Some more of that fee will have gone to the player himself, and Rangers would probably only have got half of it up front with another two years' worth of payments. So they got £9.5 million up front, A million's gone in solidarity payments. We don't know how much the player and his agent will have picked up in terms of fees. Rangers might have ended up with, you know, six, six and a half million pounds from a 19 million pound sale. Yes, they'll get another six, six million pounds in in a year's time and they'll get another six million pounds in, uh, in in another year's time and so on. But in terms of fans saying, well, yeah, we sold him for, yeah, they say we've seen the fee 23 million, 23 million pounds with add ons So IX have to do X, Y, and Z, and they've not done X, Y, and Z yet. Um, so we, we have to separate out transfer fees from cash. And th- this is always the case that people focus on the fee. They don't focus on the cash. But the thing is, you need cash to pay wages. You need cash to put on the floodlights. You need cash to... To, to pay for improvements in terms of infrastructure and you can't do that with with IOUs from uh, you know IX and, and, and other clubs. It was exactly the same with um, with uh, Nathan Patterson Now I, I, yeah, I, I work in the city of Liverpool. I, I know people in in both Liverpool and Everton pretty well and my sources in this city tell me that the the Nathan Patterson fee was, Everton are paying three amounts of of about three point seven million. So will they get? Will will Rangers get eleven million pounds over the 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 period of the transfer? Yes, they will. How much have they got now? They've they've only received three point seven million. They'll get another three point seven million next January. But that that again means that if Rangers want to go out and spend, they they. The the amount of money that people think the club's got available is far lower than than the figures which are being bandied about.
2: I think that, that example's extremely illuminating, and I think people will understand that a little bit better in terms of the cash to the fee that it's reporting. Sometimes I think we all fall for that to some extent. And I just want to just want to finish there because i am conscious this just a, a a brief chat this evening. We looked we look forward to having a deeper one at a later point in time. But in terms of that coming back to that model then. So Rangers have come through really difficult times. They're now in a place where they are selling players. They're getting reasonably good fees for them, however they're constructed or wherever They're in Europe. From a sustainability perspective, and I'm not asking you to, you know, gaze too far in your crystal ball it has to be said, Kieran, but it would seem that Rangers are on the right track and have come through some dark days and now find themselves in a place where the squad's been uplifted. Let's take current performances out of the equation right now. The squad's been uplifted. There's been investment in the backroom and in the infrastructure. There is some money in the bank, and there is some live environment uplift of income streams. Is that a fair place to say that the future of Welsh, not maybe bright, is certainly more positive than it has been at any point in the recent history?
1: I, I, th- I think that that is a fair assessment. And yeah, the, the nature of football is that you're as good as your last result. Um, and, you know, I appreciate that there's ranges Rangers have had a couple of bad results in, in, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And and therefore that has, uh, you know, a, a club, the magnitude and size of ranges is going to come in for um, a lot of attention, a lot of scrutiny. And, uh, you know, people are going to be saying, well, why hasn't the money been spent? Well, the, the money hasn't been spent because the money that people are claiming was there simply wasn't there. Uh, you know, they, they've had to go and pay Dave King. The money from transfer sales will arise over a period of time. But if, if you take a look at the, the Rangers model compared to, am, am I allowed to mention that other club from Glasgow?
2: Oh, we'll we'll let we'll let it happen. Can tell them they all think you're a paid-up member of uh, the Ibrox season ticket holders community anyway, so what, why not reference them then? Eh?
1: Well, well, okay. What what Celtic are very good at doing is is selling one player a year and generating you know twenty million pounds a year on a regular basis. Um. To and then if you've got even when you're selling players on credit if you've got four or five of those and over a period of four to five years, all of a sudden, you know, that you, you're getting four quarters or, or three thirds of separate transfers coming in, which allows the club to, to go out and spend in the market. And that becomes um, a virtuous circle. Um, and that's what Rangers are, are now moving from, you know, the Patterson sale uh, I, I think it did two things. First of all, it did generate some cash. Secondly, it brought attention upon the club as having as having a player who's good enough to command a, you know, a, a 10 million or 11 million pound fee. Um, and, and once you've got one player that comes in for that, I, I know from my own experience at, at, at Brighton, you know, once we, we sold one of our center halves for 50 million and then all of a sudden the players that might have gone for modest fees, start going for much bigger fees. So so the the Patterson sale I think has started to prime the pump that you've now got more people paying more attention to, to Rangers players and they also know they have to go and pay competitive rates because Rangers is not in a position where it has to accept the first offer. And that and that is a strong position and that is good from a sustainability point of view. We don't support football clubs because they're sustainable. We and I appreciate in uh, you know for for a club such as Rangers, finishing second is finishing nowhere, and, and it's and it's a very emotive uh, position that that fans find themselves in. Um, and you you then start to look at scapegoats. In my analysis, the scapegoats shouldn't be you know some of the people that you've got on board for, because from a professional point of view, they would have done everything that I would have advised them to do had I gone in as a you know, financial advisor. I strengthen your balance sheet, uh, only pay what you can afford, try to uh, in, invest in, in converting the club from a 25-day-a-year revenue earner to you know, being able to go and be, be more multifunction, uh, multi-loans, all of which is spectacularly dull. But... It means that in five years' time, you're going to be in a much better position. Uh, in three years' time, you should be in a much, much better position as well. And and you, you, you're getting evolutionary growth rather than um, you know, a quick fi- quick fixes. In in the main, never work as regardless of the business you're in.
2: I, listen, I think that's a very fair point. And- I reckon once the uh, once the accounts come out, we'll spend more time speaking about your your John Bennett's, your your Stuart Robertsons, etc. Which I think sometimes do get a bit of a hard press, but to use your phrase, with the pump primed, uh, I think that uh, we can we can park it up there. And as always, Kieran, I thank you for your time and your and your insight. Um, and I'm sure the listeners will too. Thanks very much. Cheers, buddy.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.